Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Welcome back to another midweek trade and strategy episode where we help you with your Super Coach AFL Fantasy and Dream Team side to hopefully make it better as you end towards your goal, whether that be leagues, rankings, or a combination of the both. Wow, there is a lot to talk about on this episode. Joining me, I've got Rids back. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Long time no here. Long time no here, and it's good to see you up and about, as always. Uh, nice and high in the rankings across the formats. People seeing your name emerging right towards the top of the tree, right where it belongs, my friend. Oh, I don't know about that. All right. Well, but yes, having a good start, as are a number of I'm other I'm just lads. an average. Yeah, well, I'm just an average punter that gets a bit of luck every now and then. Sometimes that's all it takes in these games, isn't it? All right, man. There's a bunch of stuff we want to get to. Our Patreons have given us a heap of questions to get through. And, of course, if you want to get exclusive content from the Coaches Panel, exclusive access, and a bunch of other free stuff, uh, all the links to join the Patreon supporter group can be found at coachespanel.tv. There's articles that have been dropping there all throughout the week. John's been doing his Super Coach wrap-up. Jordox has been dropping the Ultimate Footy Waiver Wire pickups. I've given you a right for the picking article and Thursday morning, depending on the time you're listening to this episode, I've predicted who I think might get DPP and AFL fantasy when they announce the first batch after the conclusion of this round. All right, PB Rids, let's jump into there. A bunch of stuff to absolutely get into for us here. And I want to start with one of the big dilemmas of the week across all the formats. Caleb Daniel is his name. Two reasons he's a problem for, for the owners. One, he delivered a 20 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 19 in Supercoach, uninjured. And then in that same game, he cops a suspension, meaning he's out this week. Is there a format that people should be considering trading Caleb Daniel out? No. Why? Because he, he's a leading candidate across the formats as a popular trade-out target. Talk me through each format and the strategy and the mindset. Okay, you've already copped your low point, yeah? 20. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've copped it. You've copped it on the chin. So what's the use of trading in Matt now? Like, you've actually copped that rookie score last week. Now, I mean, that's that's... Really unlikely to happen again because it just was a mixture of, you know, bad weather, mm. not really suited to his style, so on and so forth. But half of his games for the rest of the year are under a roof. Yeah, true. Okay, that's the first thing. Let's talk it more in a broader sense. Why would you move him out? You selected him as a premium, yes? Yes. yes. So why would you move him out on the worst line for rocky depth? So I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Otherwise, you could be caught in a loop here where you're continually moving and moving and moving. So let's just say people want to go Daniel down to Jones this week, okay? Lockie Jones. I assume that's going to be a pretty decent um, number of people doing that. Why not just take 
Kaczynski or a high more up to Jones. That's the more likely scenario. Like yeah. you got, you can increase your depth of that line by doing that. So I just don't think it's an actually a smart way to do it. You know, is and again, we'll talk about AFL fantasy specific in a second to see if you're if that format makes you change. But in Supercoach and Dream Team, because we got a bunch of extra trades last year. Uh, that meant certainly more in Supercoach than Dream Team that you could almost apply the AFL fantasy mindset of two trades a week, use them or lose them and just go, go, go. Are we seeing coaches, maybe more Supercoach than Dream Team, falling into the traps of forgetting just how many limited trades they've got to play with? Yeah, everyone's trade happy, yeah? Mm. Everyone's a little bit flippant about losing premiums at any point in time to... Well, there's no guarantee in life, Rodio. So we saw guys like, let's just go, Brayshaw started bang, bang in the first two weeks. Yeah, Andrew Dusty started bang, bang in the first two weeks. Yeah, yeah, Andy Brayshaw. You know, people went and jumped on after two weeks. And then what happens is the next two weeks are underwhelming compared to the first two weeks. You know, we're seeing guys starting to slowly build into their seasons. Um, I think Lockie Neal got his, a 90-plus on the weekend in Dream Team. I know Supercoach is still a little bit down. Yep. But the, the thing is, though, he's building into his... Into he was the, the number one. Well, he was the number one scorer across the formats pretty much last year, average yeah. player. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's got history, yeah? So, yeah, totally. I mean... You can get him for two hundred thousand cheaper than his starting price across the formats. Like, I mean, that's got to be promising, doesn't it? So, there are premiums are going to have highs and lows throughout the season. The reason why you start with these guys is to maximise all the scoring across the highs and the lows to get that average for the season. Yeah. So, if you're trading a Caleb Daniel this week, guess what? You're getting him. You owned him with that 20. Yeah. So so you're not being able to cash in when he goes and gets that 140 the week after he comes back from his suspension. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me to trade a guy. It's like similarly, like we've we've chatted about this before. (laughs) If guys average at 130 and you only think he's going to average 110, then obviously from then on, when you own him and you bring him into your team, you're actually buying him at less than 110 for the season. It's the same thing in reverse. You don't sell a guy at his lowest point and his lowest average, otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think it's some brilliant advice that unfortunately fantasy coaches across all formats just aren't considering to, to double down on the Caleb Daniel, removing the score of what he did last week. So going prior to that, he was averaging 95.3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 95.3 in Supercoach. So in that format, um, he was, um, sorry, that's um, in um, Dream Team as well. So, But in Supercoach, I think it was really, really similar, both those scoring. I just did the same numbers twice for you. Um, He's going around that 90 marker across the formats and for non-owners, he 
instantly becomes a trade target for us, doesn't he? Because in Supercoach, he's going to bottom out potentially to as low as 400,000. While in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's going to be considerably cheaper. So it's amazing to me that for a guy that's going to miss one week and is healthy, that we're considering moving him on and not addressing the biggest issue at the moment, in, in my eyes, there's a couple, but one of the biggest issues is cash generation, especially out of the back line, seems to be really difficult. Yeah, and that's why it's important to try and maximise that by killing some dead wood on the bench and moving yeah. it up to a guy who may generate that cash, you know, Lockie Jones, or whether it's a Chapman. or And we've seen... Like, I mean, we've got four weeks of data now. People yeah. should start being paying attention to what's happening. The people that were smart enough to jump on the CJs and to jump on the Cummins and to jump on the Ashes mm. are maximising their cash generation right now, where it's going to be a simple case of transfer across to the next guy when those guys slow down, when the season like, gets into it. So... Cash generation is absolutely important, but it's also the depth. You yeah. need to have depth across the lines. You can't have all the depth in the forward line or all the depth in the midfield or however you work it with your team. It's got to be a balance. Mm. So we know historically defenders don't score as well as midfielders. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's just the end of the day. So you've got to get a team balance on that. You don't want a bunch of 80, 85, 90 guys and then maximise those six guys as your highest trade priorities. If you're going to have other guys in the lines, let's just say a Jordan slowed last week, 29, yeah. Campbell slowing. We're seeing signs of a Golden slowing. You can't keep just ramping it up and just sideways trading and making no improvements of your team. So if you're going Caleb Daniel down, let's just say to a Lockie Jones, sure. so you can then upgrade someone in a different line, how does that improve your points for the team? Yeah. You've still got dead weight sitting on your defensive line. There's no cash generation around a Kaczynski or a Highmore at this point in time. Yeah. Might be in two weeks. Sure. You're potentially sitting there with the Bergman as well, waiting to see the outcome of teams this week with the yeah. injuries, because he's got a he's got a negative break even. You'd yeah. be silly to move him on, you know, before this period of time. So there's there's three guys on your bench not generating. You might even have a Scott, a McNeil, yeah. you know, these types of guys who aren't actually quick burns they're going to be a slow burn you're going yeah. to have to wait for them to get a decent enough score to generate that cash you have to start thinking through this a little bit more than oh i've got a reactive major trade this week so i'm going to just get rid of them yeah i think that's a that's a hugely important point and something that coaches realized that i i think if they were planning certain parts of their trades they might have got surprised it happened this early, but they should have been planning for it anyway. And I'm addressing specifically coaches that went for a cash cow at R2 with Matt Flynn. Probably I, I was caught out by surprise. I didn't think he, he'd get rested as early as the year as he did. But regardless, coaches got caught out with either poor cover or no cover. And now realizing, oh, 
I didn't create a plan B for how to get one of Gorn or Grundy or O'Brien or whoever you think are going to be the premium top two or three rucks for the year. What should coaches do, Rids? Because if coaches had a plan, they, they saw this coming. So let's help the coaches that either didn't plan or forgot to plan around this. What should they do, regardless of if Flynn plays this week? What should they be doing to prepare for moving him either up and up or up and across to, to R3? How do you help coaches in that spot, man? So I think everyone should have been planning for Flynn to have an early managed game. Yeah. If you, everyone thinks back a few weeks ago before the season started, he missed that practice game initially. That's true. And then when we entered round one, that was his debut game. So he would have come off a bit of a knock, a bit of a, you know, injury. He was a bit sore. We were always expecting him to play three, four games in a row. The disappointing thing for us, though, as coaches was Hunter lasted one week hmm. and then was pretty much turfed to the side. Yeah. Meek, Meek, unfortunately, last week should have been writing on the wall for Meek. Yeah. Now, I like Meek as a player. I think he's been impressive. I've spoken about this before. But we should have seen the writing. Tracy got a debut game. We knew that Lob was only a week or two away. Yeah. We, Darcy was more and more Ruck dominant. being utilised. Yeah. And we saw on the weekend okay, that that absolutely turned into game time in the ruck and to a point where I think I read an article on the Fremantle website how impressive um, Darcy's game stats were. I yeah. think he kicked three goals, he did this, he did that, he had 10 hitouts to advantage and I think, um, was it Swamp on Twitter? There was something that there was an article around that on the Fremantle website. Hmm. That's an impressive game, mate, on anyone's top. Yeah. So I don't think Meek plays another game for the next month. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? Especially if now Lobs, if, if he doesn't play this week, next week is certainly the noise around there. But as you said, Tracy and Darcy both probably outperformed Meek across the game. Um, so I think that's the concern. I, I suppose the one benefit for coaches, and we'll come back to the point in, in a sec about how what we do if we haven't planned. I suppose the one benefit is if Flynn doesn't play this week, for one reason or another, they want to give mummy another go, Briggs or whatever it is. Meek doesn't play for one reason or another. I suppose the one slight benefit for coaches is if, if you're going to cop a donut score, cash rookie. cow and rookie runs are the one you want to taste, aren't they? Well, 100%, mate. And especially when, let's just say you own Gorn and you don't have Grundy. So Grundy's got a reasonably difficult matchup this week against uh, Nick Nat over at West Coast. Like, that's actually quite okay. Like, I mean, if you could actually sit there and see what he scores on the Friday night and actually go, okay, he only got 70 anyway, so it doesn't really hurt me. I might be able to maximise a trade elsewhere where you can actually gain those points. It's just more about you should have had a plan. I mean, you don't start a rookie yeah. in the ruck line without having a plan, surely. Well, you so, shouldn't. But not it, everyone, I think, got a little bit quite excited at Meek, Lloyd, Hunter, all playing. That just the excitement of cash generation might have preoccupied even the more senior of coach and not have thought about what life could look like at round six, seven, and eight. Yeah, but you could still have, you've still got um, emergency outs. Totally. Okay, for a start, okay, Flynn's definitely going to get more games. So, Agreed. 
I mean, Leon Cameron actually said on he doesn't think that Mumford can play three back-to-back games. So mm. even if Ling misses this week, I would not be recommending trading him out at any matter because he's got such a negative break even that he needs to stay because he's got cash to generate. Plenty. He's got a lot of money to make. If you miss out on 50 points or 60 points this week, suck it up. Who cares? You can make that up later. But you can also go. There's another option there in Tom Campbell. Yeah. Now, depending whether he gets named or not, or whether Tracy remains in the team, or there are other options. Like, I mean, who knows? Nick Bryan may get a debut game this week for Essendon. Yeah, we true. don't know yet, so there are going to be possibilities. Sam Hayes for Port Adelaide is getting very, getting very close. close to a game. Yeah. So this was always the plan B if you weren't going to plan, was that you could just sideways trade or you can you can turn a Fantasia into that Jones type, get a bit yeah. of cash and then just take a Lloyd Meek up to someone. Like, in, it may very well be just a specific matchup. Like, yeah. like, let's just say you might go, okay, Bulldogs play Gold Coast. I know Gold Coast rucks are Burgess and Caleb <laughs> Graham. Caleb Graham, yeah. So... Blah, blah, blah. And then you might go, well, I, could, I only need 200 grand to get Lloyd Meek to Steph and Martin this week. Yeah, true. I mean, it's not a massive drama, is it? Like, I mean, and then Flynn comes back the week after. You go Steph and Martin down to a non-playing ruck or someone else that might get a game, whether sure. it might be Tom Campbell, whoever it is. And that's the cash anyway to go and upgrade somewhere else. So it's not a massive, massive drama. But I, the drama is going to be if you're having to cash in to maximise to get one of the big two. It just doesn't make sense to me why you would do it this week. Yeah, I would have thought the writing was on the wall enough last week Correct. to do a quick restructure and be ahead of the game. So... Maybe that's a lesson that everyone can look at and go, okay, there was a little bit of writing on the wall. Yeah, I should have probably paid a closer attention. I won't do that. What I'll do is I'll be proactive, make mm. those adjustments last right, the week wrongs. before they become an issue this week. Yeah, and, and I, then I, you can still maximise that cash generation of those options. You know, with a Jones or a McRae or whoever it is at this point. Totally. No, I think that's a good call. What, uh, there's, there's a couple of players I'm seeing getting moved out of their sides to correct this ruck structure, um, whether it be to get up to a Grundy, to get up to a Gorn or a fallen O'Brien or, or whatever it is. And again, every unique side and structure and format has, has different variables around it. But I want to throw three or four names at you, Rids, and tell me whether or not this is the right approach or the right player that people should be looking to move them to that more finished product side. Jordan Degoe, about 10 to 12% of coaches across the format still own him. It's about half of what it was at the start of the year. If you're a Jordan Degoe owner across the formats, what's the strategy you should be playing with him here? Um, Jordan Degoe, so he's lost about 50, anywhere from 50 to 80,000 across the formats, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Right um, so, I mean, the real trick to this game is buy low, sell high, not yeah. sell low, buy high. 
um, that's the underlying secret to this game. So if anyone's listening, that's how it, you'll see it everywhere. You don't yeah, have yeah. to be a genius to work that out. So the goalie's still around. He's not that much lower than what he was. He's not like a Neil or something to strop. I mean, it is an option because you might have questions about whether the goalie is in your best six forward options for the year anyway. Yeah. You must have doubts anyway about that. So, yeah, I mean, I that so. is a potential move. I wouldn't be moving someone who you deem as absolutely in your best six options for that position. So a Caleb Daniel type, for example. Well, if you go and Caleb Daniel and... Let's just remove last week for the time sure. being, okay? One week ago, people are saying Caleb Daniel is top 10 defender across all the formats. No doubt. One week later, and I know that they've copped a bit of bad luck with the suspension to rubbing the salt into the wounds yeah. and everything else, but don't do a knee jerk, no. okay? That's the worst thing you can do. Like, you... you one week ago, you were thinking he's absolutely... You would have been patting yourself on the back going, geez, what a great selection I did by picking Caleb Daniel. Yep. So don't let one bad performance, one outlier affect anything. Yeah, I think that's a good call. There's one other player I want to, I want to throw your way specifically around with the idea of a, of a ruck restructure. That's the premise of the conversation. Tom Phillips, he's fine but he's not been amazing. Talk me through, is he the guy across the formats we should be considering to move him on to maybe fix some of those issues? So I actually think he works out the best for anyone for two reasons, okay? A, he's been a little bit underwhelming. I'm not saying he's totally underwhelming. No. He's been a little bit underwhelming for what the expectation is. I think everyone went in entering a 90-plus type average across all the formats, sure. hoping that that would branch out in potentially a low three-figure. But his buy round is the earliest buy round, round yeah. 12. So there's no reason why, if you need to restructure, he doesn't go straight down to a Finn McRae, especially in AFL Fantasy this week. Yeah. Let's say Supercoach, he goes down to a Waterman type. Yeah. And then you can actually your meets to whoever's the best available. And across the formats, you're probably find that O'Brien's the most affordable, interesting, affordable yeah. option. Because again, the premise of this whole game is buy low. Buy low. O'Brien is low. Talk me buy. through. Yeah. So someone like a Brody Grundy. So half the competition probably went gone at R1. The other half probably went Grundy at R1. And then there's a bad maths, but there's a bunch of people that did the set and forgets of the two. Some might be looking at, at a Brody Grundy fixture, knowing that this week could be quite difficult coming up against West Coast, Nick and that, and you, it's not great. But the fortnight after that for Grundy looks to be quite appetizing on the premise that he's still maintaining that sole ruck role with only Mason Cox as the chop out. The role, the fixture that I'm alluding to is in round six, they come up against a potentially ruckless Essendon. And the following week, they come up against a de definitively ruckless Gold Coast Suns. So where's that balance between, for a coach, buying low in a, an O'Brien type, as opposed to a, I see a juicy couple of fixture matchups for me, 
and the potential to maximize points. What do coaches do when they feel like they're torn between the buy low option and a potential juicy fixture between a couple of guys? So what would I have said to you last week? Would you have predicted Grundy to have gone a lot bigger than what he did against a Mumford? I think most people were banking a 120-plus score across the formats against Mumford. So that's what I would say. Yeah. I would say don't go taking things for granted like as an absolute guarantee of 100-plus, 120-plus or whatever you think. I know Grundy was absolutely incredible with 150 the week before. Yeah. But sometimes that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get the 150s in those matchups at a later point in time. So a lot of times with the rucks, I think it's a little bit, I don't think it's here or there, really. I think what ends up happening is um, they tend to even themselves out over the course of the journey anyway. So I just don't think it's a matter of, you know, you pick them for the two weeks, you pick them over the course of now to the end of the year. So yeah, whoever you go, you've got to have a look at them from now to the end of the year, not yeah. from now for the next two weeks. Yeah, and it's putting an O'Brien and a Grundy, just using those two illustrations to run through over the next 18 games or 17 games, who scores more points overall, and then that cash dip differential that you're going to clearly get between the two given uh, Rob had a slow fortnight, how you can maximize that cash to improve your side and points on field with a with a subsequent trade down the line. So it's never just the O'Brien versus Grundy. It's O'Brien and the cash that you'll spend on another premium versus Grundy, I suppose, is the way to look at it. Yeah, well, let's just say even if it's 150000 at the moment, okay? So sure. That 150,000, even if Grundy averages 20 points more a game over the next 20 games, okay? Or yeah, let's call it 350 minutes. points or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, let's just say 400 points. Sure. How can up. that 150,000 gain you back a large percentage of those points? Does it get you an earlier upgrade from a Jordan to a, I don't know, Tom Mitchell? Yeah, Does it Lockie Neal. You can get... You could turn um, a James Rowe into uh, whoever. Paddy Dangerfield like, or whatever, yeah. Still side bottom a in a couple of weeks. weeks. ago. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, people that would have, you might have been able to get Rowe into Walker with that 150. It all yeah. depends how you spend that cash. Of course, you might have gone and jumped on at Andy Brayshaw two weeks ago and absolutely suffered the suffered the price out of that but again people have to be and again this isn't hindsight this is just more how you should tackle the game you have to look at it for the whole season you can't look at it for a period of time if a guy's averaging 120 for the first two weeks and you think they're only averaging 100 for the whole year they've obviously got to average less than 100 to get that average across down to 100 for the year and it's, it's the reverse. You don't trade the guy out that's averaging 80 if you still believe in your heart that they're going to be averaging 100 for the year because they're only going to maximise and get better. Yeah. So you don't trade them out after you've hit, taken the hit off the points. No. You, trade, you t- trade them out after you maximise the cash generation, you know, and you might be able to turn. 
So that was the whole thing with Tex Walker a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you jump on that train up. We did it, what was it about, was it 10 years ago, five years ago with West? West yeah, Off, Justin, yeah, it would have been a Zorko down to Westoff was the trade back then I was encouraging people to do, who was forward at the time, pumped out a couple of 70s. Westoff was basically averaging 140. But within three weeks, you could flip back the scores to each other and you've made yourself 200K and you're 150 points better off on the way too. Exactly. And so that's where you go... Oh, right. And it doesn't always work that way. Sure. But I mean, it's a risk. You've got to give it a go, yeah? This is a game after all. If you can't play this game and have a punt every now and then, <laughs> and then you may get lucky. You've got to make your own luck at times in this 100%. game. So you just got to jump in and do it. I just don't think the smart thing is. like So when Tex Walker goes all the way up, and you can make a sideways trade and bring in a locky nil, isn't that an, an amazing outcome at any point in time? It's incredible. And within the next week, you can pretty much do a trade like that across the formats. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes they're the trades that set you up for the year. Everyone goes, and I said this a couple of weeks ago. I remember, like, I said that I was thinking about doing that trade in Dream Team or about mm. to go into text. Yeah. Um, I was sort of trying to get people to remove the name out of that. Yeah. If I said to you that a guy was, he's been a 10 plus year former captain, he's averaging all this, he's got that massive negative break even, he's very, very much just a small spend from a rookie. Mm. He's just a little bit higher than a premium rookie and he's got a great draw. Everything's pointing to it with the new rules. Why not just jump in and have a crack? You've yeah. got to trust your eyes at times. I mean, people have done that with CJ and we know that. Yeah. You've just they've just taken off, you know. Isaac coming. I think Same everyone thing. jumped on a year early. I think Fish said that a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, sorry. Um, we jumped on a wee year early. But I mean, I'll tell you what, he's absolutely paying dividends. I remember only two weeks ago, remember Lockie Ash didn't have a real good game, and then yeah. suddenly, like everyone was doubting why he was a top pick and blah blah blah. Hmm. I tell you why, because we just impressive. saw it on the weekend. He, was, he was impressive. That run and carry, that dare, like that's just that's all the elite tendencies for why GWS banked on him. Um so I'm I'm curious, Reeds, you you flagged Taylor Walker there a couple of times. For those that jumped on him, when's the time to jump off? Cause because what can happen? Because the train's still well and truly chugging along nicely for tax owners over the past fortnight. When what are the signs we should be looking for to jumping off? Is it a scoring sign or is it a cash generation halting sign that should be the reason that we choose to abandon ship from Taylor Walker? No, well, I think you just you just ride it along now. I don't think it matters anymore. You've you made your cash. He's an absolute sideways trade to a real premium that's actually mm. had a bit of a bad run. He has made you more than enough points. And let's be absolute frank, MJ, and you're a Crows supporter. Yes. If his teammates could actually kick the ball last week, he was looking at another 140, 150. He was out on oh, his own multiple thousand percent. They kicked it out on the full. Oh. They missed him by 30 metres from 20 metres away. Yeah. That guy had 150 in the bag last every week, time formats. every time so i mean i don't want to undersell it so i mean there's no signs there that he's slowing down no one's going to try and close it off 
Yeah. Of course, at some point in time, teams will go, okay, how do we shut this down? But for now, you just take that ride. So the worst that could happen out of that, you ride him all the way through to his buy round and go pick up someone that's had their buy round. Let's say text to danger, okay? So someone with a later buy round who's already had their buy round to a true premium and guaranteed top six, I don't know. If you can only spend even a hundred thousand to get that trade, yeah. that's a massive win. And you've banked all those points in the meantime, while others are still sitting there with their Degoes and Phillips or whoever else. Even an extra rookie, because they've gone five deep in the back lines to accommodate the lack of defensive rookies in the back line. Yeah. I mean, that's a massive gain across the board. So, and again, that's a hindsight thing now, but there are other options coming up this week, next week, and so on and so forth across the board. I mean, I think I'm in super coach. Jake Stringer is one of the biggest break-evens this week. Yeah, strings like being one of the negative break-even. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Now, string, and he started incredibly strong. If, if we want to focus purely on Supercoach for the moment, he's priced at two hundred eighty-two thousand, um, and, and he's got a break-even in that format of minus forty-five. And Essendon over the next couple of weeks, they got Brisbane this week. Shop at the Gabba. That's not going to be the easiest of games in the world, but he's coming off a one twenty-four against St Kilda, a solid eighty-six against the undefeated Swans, and then after Brisbane. Collingwood, Carlton, and GWS are the next three. Then let me use his um, what about his captain in Dream Team and Super Coach? Yeah. He's got a negative break even this week as well. Yeah, and I true. mean, he's no, he's not much more expensive than a premium. So again, we're seeing this over and over and over again. Like we get the lack of rookies, okay, across all the four lines at the moment, we're in a little bit of a happy days at the moment because we had Chapman last week, Waterman this week, Lockie yeah. Jones, and we've got yeah. McRae. Yeah. But there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. So there might be a need to get creative on your cash generation options. Yeah. And it might be a simple case of looking at a stringer and super coach or um, – or a Heppel in Dream Team. But again, you have to be careful across the formats and work out which format it's looks the right, the right place. Yeah. But it also has to be with your team balance. So you don't want to bring in a Heppel to have a Goulden sitting on the bench. No, not at all. So that's that's the smart move here. But AF, I know we're going to talk about this shortly anyway, but the, the position changes are coming up. Yeah. If you can get Gordon to get that forward status, then Ooh, suddenly yeah. you do have a spot there, yeah? Yeah, You that's can actually right. bring in an underpriced, mid-priced, medium, you know, a medium bloody or midfielder and actually use that and push Gordon forward and put a row on the bench then. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I've seen a lot of people that are really bulking up certain areas of the lines to be able to do that in... in just a handful of days' time, Goulden in AFL Fantasy, he's in that forward territory that can absolutely go for. If Miles Bergman plays, he's going to pick up defensive eligibility. All of a sudden, you'll be able to add him and throw him back into that position as well. So, MJ, too. let's go back a sec. We yeah. were just talking about restructuring your team. Mm. In AFL Fantasy, why would you swap out Daniel? Mm. Now, the only reason why you might 
dick about it is if he had a Nick Hine who's going yeah. to gain defensive eligibility. True. Now, same thing with Phillips. We we're just talking about Phillips and the goey. Why would you do that? Because you got Golden that's going to likely get forward status, you know, at the end of this week and move into that spot. So these are the guys you could actually move if your team allows that move to happen. Yes, exactly. Yep. I think that's the right that's approach. It. Yep. I think that's a really nice approach, man. Before we get to our Patreon questions, there is a bunch to get through. Anything else you want to leave us with or any thoughts or any mistakes or perspectives you want to give before we get to some of these questions? I don't think they're mistakes, though. I think we're playing a game, okay, that really is a game. We're trying to predict what happens in the future. Yeah. So don't be too hard on yourselves. If you make a mistake every now and then, it's you won't know. Only hindsight tells you if it's a mistake, yeah? Yeah. So true. we're just trying to gather as and it's only when you play this game for a long long period okay that you get good feel on the trends and stuff how do you do this how do you do that but that's when those terms like those phrases come up with buy low sell high and blah 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 that's because of continually playing this game for 20 plus years to actually get to that stage but there's no such thing as mistakes like you just move on just oh, like, well, that doesn't mean that it's going to happen again next time. Of course. So it just doesn't matter. I don't think that Caleb Daniel, when he plays at Mars Stadium or whatever the hell it's called, mm. he's not going to be guaranteed to score 20 because he scored 20 last time. Correct. Brody Grundy scored 150 the week before. doesn't mean he's scoring 150. How many times do we even see it in a game? A yeah. guy comes out and scores 100 in the first half. That doesn't mean he's scoring 200. No, it doesn't. That means often that we only see them score 130. Yeah. 140, you know? So, I mean, it just, it happens. There's good periods. There's bad periods. You might have a down week this week. And guess what? You might win the whole thing. Look at Andrew Gaffoners. Yeah. I just think it's absolutely imperative that you don't, base a trade and the outcome of that trade on one week, MJ. Yep. Look at last week. I just want to show you last week, and we'll just quickly talk about this. Please. Lockie Neal. There was a massive discussion whether people should trade Lockie Neal or keep Lockie Neal. Mm. So what happened was he went out and he absolutely destroyed the first half and he had a really good first right. half match against Collingwood. That's right. Everyone was going, oh, my goodness, I held him. Oh, I made a mistake. <laughs> a half later, it absolutely did a 180 and flipped it. Everyone's yeah. going, oh, my God, what a mistake. I should have traded him. While everyone else is going, oh, you beauty, I traded him. Andrew Gaff owners. Yeah. Everyone was talking about Andrew Gaff. He scored 150 last week. Everyone's going, you beauty. I tra- I held him. That's why you hold your premiums. People who held in Lockie Neal isn't saying that, are they? But no. the thing is, you can't base that off one week. Just no. see what they do for the rest of the year and what you do. You don't want to hold them for the next three weeks and then trade them then. No. That's the whole thought process. Wait and see. The outcome of a trade is not determined on the next score. It's Correct. determined on the average of the guy from now to the end of the year so just remember that that's 
that's all you need to keep on focusing on and you just keep pulling that trigger when you need to pull that trigger because that's what the whole game is. You've got to enjoy yourself and trade, don't you? Yeah, I, I think that's a really unforgotten point amongst the fantasy community. And again, if you listen to the coaches panel, you're probably more on the extreme hardcore type of coach anyway, uh, much less of the casual listener. And if you are a casual listener and you're listening, welcome to the podcast. But generally, it's more the, the super fans that play multiple formats or take their formats super serious that are in there that we forget that component of the game too. It's a game. It's to be enjoyed. It's not to be endured. Um, uh, along the way. So I think it's some nice advice, man. Uh, let's get to some and of one these. One more thing, MJ. We yes. say this every now and then. If you make, if if an outcome doesn't work out to how you think it works out, mm. don't let it ruin your weekend. No, that's right. Life Life's much bigger than your fantasy team. Yeah, trust me. You've got bigger things in life to worry about than that crap. Yes, no, you absolutely shouldn't. If that's the worst thing that's happening in your life at the moment, then life must be doing pretty sweet for you um, if that's the hardest part of your world at the moment. All right, man, let, let's play out through a bunch of these questions. I'm, I'm for Patreons that have asked questions. A lot of them have asked Caleb Daniel questions. Reads without answering them all one by one. Give me a one scenario, if there is one, where you could justifiably, across any of the formats, move Daniel on. Is there a scenario at all? Or is there never a scenario to move Daniel on? Okay, AF, there's only one scenario. If you have a Mick Hines or someone like that that's going to gain defensive eligibility after this week. So Zeeble, Heppel, these kind of guys. Yep. Whoever it is, and you can directly slot them into that position. Sure. There that's you. the only outcome. All right. There you go. For those of you that Patreons that ask Daniel-related questions, that's your answer right there. TK wants to know, Rids, where do we see Fantasia at currently? His output been probably closer to average than okay. Is he a hold or does he need to be moved on this week? Uh, Fantasia's an interesting one. He's a small yeah. forward. Small forwards are historically no, not great across the formats. Yeah. Need but goals to score well. Port are going to win a lot of goal, games by a lot of points. Now, I think he got a 93 weeks ago when he kicked quite a few goals mm -hmm. in a very easy win that Port had. So I would think that his draw in works through. So if you think that Port are going to play at home and win a lot of easy games, then I think Fantasia is more than likely going to score okay. But we shouldn't have been expecting much more than a 65 to 85 range. Yeah. Um, so he's slightly under that at this stage, but his DPP counters that. that I think one of the biggest things helps. for Fantasia is that swapping backwards and forwards. So the thing with Fantasia, okay, is if he where is he played? Is he played in your defensive Yeah, that's line? the big and variable. And if he's your D5 slash D6, and you can upgrade to a non-playing rook to a Lockie Jones at D7 to increase the depth on your bench, he's doing his role. If he allows you to trade guys or to be moving guys like uh, Nick Hind next week in AFL Fantasy, because sure. he should gain defensive, yep. and do a DPP swap just to counter those Daniel-like scenarios where a person misses a week, perfect, yeah? Yeah, I, I agree. So, 
They've got Carlton this week, Port Adelaide at the MCG too. So depending on how you feel Port Adelaide are going to go this week, that might be the perfect matchup for you that you think, yep, now's the right move either way of that. But yeah, I I think if he's, I think he's fine for another week. Yeah, I think the um, other thing is the injuries to their two midfielders. Yeah. Who's likely to come in and who's likely... Now, Rockliffe, um, as much as um, he looks like he's pretty much on the outer and everything else, he may end up finding a game in That's the next true. week or two. That's really true. And the way that he uses... I think this is the understated part of his game. Mm. The way that he lowers his eyes going into the 50s... Yeah, he's very strong. He's probably a guy that could hit Fantasia quite a few times. So that might be a positive for Fantasia owners. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, Jordan wants to know, what's your thoughts on Heppel in real dream team? He, he's certainly cheap, sitting at um, a nice little option to sit at potentially M5 or M6, or is Heppel a trap? He's wanting to trade into him. Um, I'd, he'd be trading out two kids to him and a waterman. What's your take on, on that combination of a move? I think that's a massively win, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Heppel's got a history of 90 to 100 averages for multiple years. All The, the only query about Dyson Heppel is staying on the park. Yeah, I 100% but, agree. I mean, I don't think that's massive risk at all at 350000 No, and again, the, the role that is being put in and the, and the wear and tear that's being put on his body at playing across the halfback is drastically different to that is what would be put on his body when he was having to play through the midfield week in and week out. Yeah, so, I mean, we've already seen his misgames through the season and stuff sure. like that, but if you could turn, uh, if you could turn, let's say, a Jordan Clark or a Fantasia into him, why not? Yeah, yeah, I quite like that. But again, the premise is, who are you pushing off to the bench in that midfield? If it is a Goulden, it might not be as worth it as it being, say, a Berry or a Jordan, potentially. Yeah, but if you've got a Barry sitting in the midfield, not really, he's only a 50 guy. And we spoke about this a few weeks ago with tackling and everything else. He's really just a 50 guy at the moment. He's going to be a superstar in a few years, but he's only a 50 guy right now. So if you could turn a 50 guy into a 85, 90 guy for a cash spend of 100,000, you do that every day. Yeah. No, I think so too. Fair enough. Uh, John asked a super coach question. He's used eight trades so far in super coach. So he's had to double trade every week for the past four well, weeks. And Jay, let's just say something quiet. Are you in a bit of trouble, you John? You didn't have to. You don't have to trade every <laughs> week. To week. No, I, I, I just said, encourage people to use trades to play with their trades and everything else. If your super coach is looking ordinary right now, the only way you're going to get enjoyment out of the season is to use trades early yeah, to try salvage it. something. You can always save trades later if you can get some league wins and everything sure. else. Yeah. But no one needs to trade every week. Danger missed the first week. You didn't need to trade Danger, you could have held him for three weeks. Raul was the only must trade for the sake of a term, given the injury. Yep, agree. Well, Butters this week's a must. Well, Butters another one. Yeah, these long term injury guys are the trades. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't need to trade. Daniel is not a need trade. No, no. Neil's not a need trade. 
again, I don't like the term wasted trades. Sure. Um, but the fact of the matter is there is a little bit of a feel about it. Mm. I don't think you ever waste trades. I think the whole idea is play the game, which is trading. So you've got to encourage trading. Totally. But you don't, you've also got to play a little bit strategic because you don't have two trades a week like AFL Fantasy in those super coach and dream team formats. But yeah. anyways, ask the question then, Joe. The, the question is, is he stuffed? <laughs> uh, <laughs> have he used eight of his 30 coach. trades? Well, you've put yourself in a difficult situation. I know that much. That's for sure. Um, you haven't even allowed time for the cash cows to actually make the cash and get back. Yeah, correct. So you've made all these trades and, yeah. Look, you're just going to have to sit for a few weeks and let those so. cows back and so you can do one up, one down and then jump on the heavily discounted options moving forward, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's got to be the approach uh, of you've always got to be looking for the buy low targets, but I just think you have to even be more um, targeting those guys even more so. And then my encouragement for you, John, is to be eight trades down at this point in time in the year, while luck is always a factor, you haven't had that much bad luck would be my premise to have had to make eight trades. Therefore you've made some trading decisions that might not have that long-term viability that you want. What can you learn from that? Was there some starting squad picks you made that now with some wisdom, you'd say, okay, there were mistakes. Were there some things you tried that just didn't work out? Whatever it is, learn from those things. And that's okay. The beauty is in 12 months time, you're going to have another opportunity to put those things back together. So worst case scenario, it's a learning opportunity. Yeah, and have a play. See what yeah. happens. You know, If you need to use 30 trades in the first 15 weeks, sure. do it. See yeah. what happens in the last 10 weeks and see what happens. Hold on. You know? Play and have see what goes on, you know. Let just have a crack, write the year off, and start again next year. Yeah, make some trades that normally you might be like, Oh, normally I wouldn't pick this type of player with these scenarios, it goes against my rules. But because I'm not really worried about the year, I'll do different things and I'll try some things. And who knows, some things might just pan out your way, John. You never ever know. All right, Chris has an ultimate footy question for you at uh, the trade, uh, the draft format. Uh, it's an ultimate footy that has uh, pretty much standard AFL fantasy and dream team scoring with the exception of they've added two points per spoil. It's important I mention that, Rids, because he is uh, looking at targeting as a trade target in draft, Jack Zebel. Is he worth going after in a draft format as a trade into your team target? No. No. Okay. Oh. Uh, actually, no, wait a sec. So let me think through that. <laughs> I love you. Oh, <laughs> You're filtering yourself. So he's averaging, again, I'm not sure what his spoils are by the year, but he's, he's averaging 100 plus across the formats, potentially with a handful of spoils. He might be going 110, 120, something around that format. Uh, has picked up defensive value. Well, he is already in ultimate footy um, for us. So he's already picked that up. So that's the format he's in. So he's a defender forward, probably more valuable as a forward given the lack of top-tier scoring options we've got there, would you trade so you into feel, So, MJ, do you feel like this is going to be sustainable, not just for this year? So forget about this year sustainable, mm -hmm. but we're talking keeper leads. Is this sort of role sustainable next year? Uh, the thing that is the most concerning thing, and I mentioned it last week, 
um, for a Patreon podcast. I said, the thing I want to see about Zeebel is how does he and Luke McDonald go together? We're not going to have that concern this year, at least for a really big chunk of the year with McDonald out for months with that torn peck. So that's still the thing for me. And how long do they how long do they really want Zebel back there? He and Aaron Hall in that defensive 50, when they get it right, both look fantastic. But both would scare the life out of me as a North Melbourne supporter if they are the two prime distributors of run and carry and ball use out of my defensive 50. And it's also like, I mean, dream team with Supercoach, it's fine because he started at such a cheap price sure, that you've exactly. already generated your cash. Yes. So even at the worst case scenario right now is you've got a stepping stone where he's 500,000. Yes. Like, you, you've done it. But that, that should be translated into our ultimate footy, you know, keeper league discussion because he is getting older. It yeah. is a list that's going to be rebuilt. Yes, they're trying to use him as a Hodge type, but there is question marks. There's going to have to be some sort of plan from North Melbourne into moving him back forward to encourage the youth to start building again and developing in the back line to work together. I agree. So I don't know. I I wouldn't trade. From a keeper league perspective, I would go there. Keeper or single, just... You, you've missed a lot of scoring. The injury history, certainly you can have that flaggy in the back of your head if you really want to. But as far as I'm concerned, what you'd probably have to pay to get him, I, I don't know why an owner would be looking to move him on unless you get them a bankable star like a a Dangerfield or a Dunkley or a Dusty or, you know, for a single season league focus. And I just don't know if you're an owner of those guys, if you'd want to part with them for a, for a Zeeble. So I, I just don't know if I'd feel comfortable trading into him in a single or a keeper league. Just for me. Um, I think in a keeper league, you may, if you want to maximise uh, James Jordan or something uh, yeah. like that. Sure. So, and you just want to try and something like that you might have less keepers and there might be someone decent coming through that you want to just get rid of Zebel at the end of the year yeah to try and win a title yeah um, that's cool in a single season i can see it happening as well if you want to maximize the same sort of scenario you know you sell uh so you're just trying to get that title rather than anything else i just don't see why though you'd want to invest too much yep no, I think that's a fair shout. All right. Uh, Ian McRae has a question, a good longtime friend and supporter of the coaches panel. He's got an AFL fantasy question for you, Rids, and it's around the ruck line. If you're getting a bit antsy about having Flynn and or Meek at R2 this week, who are some options? He's specifically keen on the thoughts around one T Hickey, who, by the way, in that format, Priced at 494000 has a break-even of just off at 60 at 59. He's averaging 75 in that format. Is he someone we should consider if you're jumping off a of Flynn or Meek, or is the name you suggested earlier the better pick? Well, I just, I don't know. I think we're all jumping at shadows a little bit. Yeah. So I just don't understand why you'd go to a hickey. Yeah. Didn't Mumford just shut down Grundy last week? Correct. So if Mumford's playing as the first ruck, 
And that's the role he played last week. Wouldn't you mm. think he's more capable of shutting down a hickey a in the same percent. role? A thousand percent. So I just don't understand why hickey would be on the top of your list. That's all. Yeah. I think um, you just look at matchups. So I'd be looking at the Gold Coast matchup, the Essendon matchup. You know, it's just as a stepping Bacanoni. stone because you might not be able to get all the way to a O'Brien or a Grundy starting from a meet, but you might be able to do a 200000 investment over two weeks. Yeah. So it'll be a four hundred investment to get to an O'Brien. So that would be the way I would go. I'm I not think sure so. I don't think Hickey was the right move. No, look, week, for, no, no, not against. Again, if if Mumford plays, he he did a. He's known that he's a real physical ruckman that's going to make it really difficult for Meek at. Uh, sorry for Hickey or anybody at stoppages, and then if he doesn't play, Flynn plays. You're fine. But if for whatever reason you are, I think in AFL fantasy, depending on the cash you want to invest, O'Brien's a nice pick at 681K. If you've got about 150K less, Ben McAvoy's had three or four really nice 80-plus scores across the format and has DPP. Yeah, he's got Max Gorn this weekend, so that's not a great matchup. But from a price and a cash generation, he's still got a break-even of 51. So he's going to score okay and make you some money. Um, Nankervis, if... Uh, I think he'd do some good damage against a, a little bit of a um, underdone Rowan Marshall. I think he could do some damage for you there. Um, Stefan Martin, who you've mentioned earlier, he's 450K across the formats. And then Tom Campbell, if he gets named at just over $220,000 as a ruck forward. You know, I think there's I a think you're going to have that. Yeah. You're definitely going to have Campbell or Tracy, aren't you? Yeah, that's, that's right. right. And Tracy's 192. So you, she'll get one super cheap option from Meek that won't cost you anything if for whatever reason Meek doesn't play and neither does Flynn. And you don't want and to I know that. I think a lot of people are overstating the Meek 27 last week or whatever anyway. The, the, the thing is, it's only 30 points off and a decent enough score to be okay. It's only a 30-point hit. Yeah, so right. anything, you'd, you'd only really want a 50 or 60 as that R2 option anyway. So if you can pick up that 30-point hit yeah. on another line, you, you'd do that, wouldn't you? Uh, you'd, 100%. You'd go to a Campbell. So I just think people are... I know it sucks when you get a 27, but the thing is, it sucks at times when you get a 30, 40, you know, from a premium. Yeah. We've seen the reactions to Caleb Daniel getting a 20. Yeah. No, I think it's a fair call, man. I think it's really, really good advice. Uh, last couple of questions we'll plow through. Dale wants to know, what do you think of a ratio to Daniel in Supercoach once Daniel bottoms out in two to three weeks' time? No, I think that's absolutely the right play. I, agree. I think um, Fantasia, like, again, he's hit and miss, you know. Like, every Fantasia, there's a CJ, yeah? Yeah, So right. there's going to be... It just happens at times. So obviously, thinking through that, I would think that would be absolutely a good play. Yeah, it's going to cost you, you give or take about 100K in two to three weeks' time, depending on what Daniel scores after that suspension, what Fantasia does over that two-week period. But I, I have Caleb Daniel right now um, in Supercoach. Um, he's priced at 467000 I think if he has a couple of sub-90s, which is more on the unlikely side, but you know, run the theory, he could be under 400,000. 
Um, he, he's absolutely a bargain in super coach and in all formats in two to three weeks time. I think Dale, you're right on the money with that one. Um, a couple of other quick questions to fly through. Tony's got an AFL fantasy question for you. Rids, would you play an unseen McRae or play it safer with a potentially better break even of guys like Robertson, Bergman or Rowe if they are named? No, I'd go McRae 100%. Over all three of those guys? I Well, yes. Yeah. Oh. I don't like... Okay, so this week, I think in AFL Fantasy, there's three very, very, very amazingly good rookie options. Yeah, there is. And I'm talking about Lockie Jones. Yes. I'm talking about Waterman. Yeah. And I'm talking about McRae. Yeah. Now, I'm fearful that in a week's time, all of them will be around 270 plus. Yeah. Maybe Jones will be pushing closer to 300,000 in that Yeah, format. given he's already 260, yeah. I don't see a better two-rookie choice for your two trades this week moving forward. I yeah. think this is the week you maximise your rookies and fix those issues. Yeah. Because next week, I don't think you can get a better two options out of uh, Jones, who is a highly touted defensive Port love him. Port yeah. fans love him. He's a cult figure. His job security is through the roof right now, especially after that game last week. Yeah. McRae, all we heard about in the preseason was how this guy was flying. Yeah. As soon as someone dropped through an injury in Tay Adams last week, he's straight in. He's back. He's straight yeah, back straight in. in. And if it wasn't for it, the um, the death of his father, he would have probably debuted in round one. Mm. And Waterman is a mature-aged recruit in one of the lower teams across the league that need a bigger body in that forward, in forward line. presence. Yeah. I mean, like if you're still holding any of those rookies that you are not happy with, you can even move uh, Scott to McNeil, whoever, yeah. to any of these guys for minimum spend and you've improved your team, not for the week, across the board by probably anywhere from 20 to 60 points a week, Yeah, that's a massive win. Yeah, I, I think don't, so too. Like, I, don't, I don't think moving up this week is the right place. No. That's just my feel. I think so. And again, look, there are some guys that are nicely primed and placed to go and pick them up. But I also don't think they're going to be so far away that waiting another seven days is going to cost you getting them. Nailing these cash generation options while they're there. Waterman's on the bubble for us this week in Dream Team and Supercoach in a fortnight's time. Um, we're also going to have Jones and, and then McRae in, in three weeks after that and potentially others um, to, to really consider. So this is the chance. Maximize these guys that look like they're going to have nice scoring, nice job security, and um, just run them for as long as you can. Right, last question. Tony's also at times, yep. So, MJ, at times, though, we look at guys that pay price at a certain price tag and we go, oh, my goodness gracious me, he's absolutely the one to get this week. But the thing is, next week, there's going to be another guy that replaces that guy, even that if he goes thing. off the mark. Perfect. We got, you have a look at it across the board. We've got guys like absolute 
studs, fantasy studs. I'm yep. talking Gaff. I'm talking Kelly. I'm talking Trelaw. I'm talking Neil. Tom Mitchell in some cases. Yep. Lockie Neal. They're all around the same price tag. Next week, yeah. Well, I don't understand why you'd be passing the absolute best opportunity to grab two of the best rookies potentially for the year. Totally. In this one week, I mean, they're going to be 30000 40000 more next week. Yeah, sure. Would you want to do – I mean, you can't maximise anything with those guys. You've got to maximise them from the guys who are deadwood now. Yeah, I agree. I think in AFL fantasy, this is not the upgrade week. I think this is in that format. And, and even in Supercoach and Dream Team too, this is the week. Maximize those guys that are at the right price. Get it and and know that that play that slightly long-term game. Because you're right. You could get a Trelaw this week, and he's been good the past fortnight. But in a week's time, you could get a Neil. You get a Josh Kelly. You can get a Tom Mitchell. You, you, you can get these gaff. You can get these superstar 110 guys that are capable of going at 120s for long stretches of time. I, I'd be jumping on these sort of guys. And it, it doesn't mean you shouldn't get Trelaw. I'm just using him as, a, as an illustration point of there are kids that are available now. There are premiums that are just as good next week at a comparable price. That's the only point that I'd make. So I just want to highlight again what we've highlighted many times before. You have to do it from format to format. Totally. I think a Waterman is absolutely an option in Supercoach. I don't like him in Dream Team, yep. but he's absolutely the third best option this week in my eyes. He yep. might be the second best. He's arguably the second best in AFL Fantasy. So if AFL Fantasy, you have to use two trades. Yep. So it's like, okay, Jones is the number one option because of the lack of defensive rookies. Correct. In super coach, if I'm looking at anyone on the bubble, the only one with job security with a decent negative break, even is Waterman yep. and his bottom dollar. So he's absolutely the number one option there. Whereas in Dream Team, I actually like the options next week and the week after in Jones and McCray. Yeah, I do. So too. I would actually, Garrett, I would say to everyone, well, this might be the week where you hold your trades in Dream yeah. Team. Yeah, would, would you jump early no one that's... on either of them in Dream Team? The Jones um, or the McRae's? It, it feels no, risky to do that. No, well, I don't think it's risky. I just think you just let the cash generate that extra week on whoever you want to go down to. Yeah, gotcha. So let's just say a Jordan, his break even still very manageable and attainable in across the super coach and Dream Teams. The only time I'd jump early is if... Um, I wanted to get lucky if he was rested or managed or dropped or something like that. And I don't foresee him coming back into the team. I'd probably make the move early, but otherwise you're forcing trades earlier. If you can make an extra 20, 30,000 in that trade scenario a week later, and it doesn't yeah. hurt you on the points, who cares? Yeah, Just I hold. It's good. It's good. All right, one last question, mate, before we wrap up this episode. We haven't talked about him a lot, but it is creating a, a pressure point uh, for those that started or traded into, whether it be via Dangerfield or something else, into Zach Butters. The question's been put out there. If you're a Zach Butters owner, it's certainly a trade given the length of time that he's out. But who are the guys you should go and consider getting? Being the top dogs? have been flying, and I'm, I'm alluding to more Josh Dunkley at that point, and the guys that are yet to bottom out, i.e. a side bottom, have still got something left to go. 
Who should we be looking for across the formats to move as Zach Butters on, assuming you're not using DPP to make some other maneuvers happen? Okay, so let's just say, and I'm just going to talk through this a little bit. So it's only going to take a second or two. Dunkley is absolutely flying in Supercoach, but he was always going to fly in Supercoach. I think there's worrying signs for him in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. We're seeing Trelaw taking, eating up his centre bounce attendances now. Um, I'm not sold he's going to be as, he's not going to continue that early start. I'm just right. not sold at the moment, especially if Trelaw's going to get more midfield time. Sure. Um, we're seeing guys like Montepelli and everyone else slow down due to that impact. And that's the, the impact everyone thought that was going to happen at the start of the year. So I would actually look, I don't think Ridley is the right option if you're going to do a quick swap and you've got a Fantasia and you can go a Butters through to Ridley because I've sure. got Butters and Supercoach. So I've looked at all these options. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking at a guy who I think could at least maintain his current average or has had a slower start and is averaging well, someone like a Clayton Oliver type. Yeah, I like that. Um, because, like, if you look at him in Supercoach, Clayton Oliver's averaging 110, and I would say it's it's questionable he's flying, yep. but he's been better than Solu, but it's questionable he's flying, and we know when he flies, he flies hard. So True. someone like a Oliver in Supercoach would be the way. I would think someone like a Lockie Neal would be a good time to jump on him this week. Yeah. Um, in Dream Team, if I owned him in Dream Team, I think a guy like Heppel should come into the picture. But again, it's all about team makeup and how it fits. I wouldn't go all the way down. I'd be looking at a sneaky little sideways into a or a slight downgrade for the same points. Like that's why I'm saying Heppel in that instance. Um, that would make sense to me. You probably bank 200,000 and not lose a hell of a lot of points on field outside of the rookie shuffle. Nice, man. There's some interesting players uh, for coaches to consider. And and for some, another bit of bad luck, another forced trade, but that's part and parcel of the game. And it just gives you an opportunity, well, opportunity. to do some different stuff. That's it. That's how you got to see it. I think it's that's a nice all it is opportunity. All about opportunity. Hey, mate, you've been excellent uh, on this episode. Appreciate your work. Oh, yeah. It happens at times. <laughs> oh, it's you're... getting late, mate. I'm usually in bed an hour ago. I know, so I know. I keep, I'm keeping him uh, awake for your benefit, Fantasy Footy community. So thank you, uh, Rids. Of course, if you want to go and check out uh, any of the other podcasts we've done in the preseason, I don't know why you'd go back right now, but forward focus, the listens help. Uh, you can go and check them out via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. We've got Articles dropping every single day at coachespanel.tv. Depending on when you're checking this one out, the AFL fantasy predictions of new DPPs. I've got a bunch of them that hit the website Thursday morning, right for the picking. Uh, your waiver wire picks for ultimate footy, your super coach wrap up. I love that from John. It's an absolute okay, ripping. Before you disappear, yes. let's, let's do a quick one. Who's okay. your surprise packet to pick up DPP and AS? A surprise Who's pack? the outsider? I don't. I don't tell me Josh Kelly because I know you're big on Josh Kelly. And no, I, I am. I am the sole person on the Josh Kelly fan club left in 2021. I, I, I don't think it's a surprise, but Lockie Hunter should 
pick it up. So I don't think it's a surprise that he picks it up. Um, what I think might happen is that Nat Five picks it up. That's cool. That's a good one. Nice. That's who I think might. Just I think he just sneaks in like a 36, 37% of forward. And I think what he does this week determines that. I've got that in the article. It's like, man, this week's matchups against the Crows could really determine that. What about for you? Do you have a sneaky one of where who might fit in? No, I think Lockie Hunters should. Yeah, I, I, think, I think he's... I'm, like, I mean, and if he does, he is one to really consider... He's sitting in a forward pocket. Every time I watch the Bulldogs play, it looks like <laughs> he's played. He's he looks like he's chained to the goalpost at times. <laughs> Jeez, imagine if there's one injury, that guy could absolutely fly if the right injury comes. Well, that's right. Yeah, right. All it takes is he's shown he's a ninety-plus guy consistently on that wing, right up towards that hundred territory. Man, I, I think he picks it up. And then you're right. All it takes is a Trelaw. Uh, or any of their mids to miss and that balance of power structure changes and all of a sudden he's back on the wing and going that 90 every single week for us. I'll throw an interesting one for you. Peter oh, Ruck. Pick Ruck? Ruck. Yeah, I think he gets it too. Yeah, because I think he actually comes into play potentially after next this week. So if you want to get a meet to a Peter Wright, and you can, that may be a bit better option and he's yeah. going to be a, number one ruck for a period of time that that potentially could work nicely yeah i like that all right well we'll find out sunday night when the afl fantasy crew uh, announced that first batch of dpp pretty much once lockout lifts they put those guys in uh into the game straight away for you to be able to enjoy them in that format of the game for the rest of us that play dream team and super coach you got to wait till next year for some new dpps to hit the game look good luck this week i hope your captain kills it you win rookie roulette and from all of us here at the Coaches Panel, good luck this week. And we'll chat to you soon. And we hope everything goes your way. Give it a go. now give it